0: I wonder if I could write a book like Who Gives a Fuck About Your Socks and How That Could Impact Your Entire Life. I bet I could. I bet I could. But I'm not gonna because I'm too busy doing other things. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bolesby.
1: Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I'm Melissa, and my co-host is... Wendy! Yay!
0: Congratulations,
2: you got through the prerequis- prerequisite part. It is now officially a podcast.
1: <laughs> You're such a jerk. <laughs> Fuck you, Jones. <laughs> As you can probably tell... Are we de- are drunk, es- and we have a special guest star, Mr. DC comic book artist Christopher uh, Jones, Christopher Danger Jones,
2: oh,
0: Esquire.
2: Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs>
0: it's the joke that keeps on giving. I, you know what I love about this is the contemplation of I wonder when this will air. For all we know, it won't be till like fucking September.
1: I, I'm aiming for August on this one.
0: Merry Christmas, everybody! We we re- we we are
1: um, recording this on May twentieth, and we will see. Uh, oh my! Thank you. Oh wait a second! May twentieth, twenty
0: fourteen. <laughs> yes, let's make sure we get the full date on there because who knows what's going to be great is when I listen to this podcast. It's going to be like a time machine where I like flash back to. I remember that night. It was like months ago. We drank lots of wine. I was hey really... Chris,
2: what did you do on Tuesday? Oh I hung out with a couple of women. They were drinking all night. Oh really? What happened? We recorded a podcast. Recorded
0: or recorded three or three. It was a threesome. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. I
2: could I can record three podcasts in a night.
0: You got some you got some gifts, my friend. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. I
2: uh... mm-hmm. Usually when I finish a podcast, I just like to cuddle.
0: (laughs) So anyway, Chris Jones and I have known each other. We got to know each other because we both signed on to help create Convergence. And that's where we met each other and became friends. We did not know each other before that. And yet now we can go months without seeing each other and it doesn't even matter because... Oh, our friendship has been through fire. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: a lot of us that were in the original group of uh, directors for Convergence, so many people in kind of the outer orbit of that group, or the overlapping Venn diagram of social circles, um, assumed that we were a group of friends that all started the convention together. And the reality is most of us met through forming the convention and just had the good fortune of, of clicking, not only as a, a, a friendship, but with uh, complementary skill sets. Not oh. identical skill sets, complementary skill sets.
0: You have no idea how much convergence comes down to luck. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, gosh, yes.
0: Oh, sweet Jesus. And I am going to point out that our decanter is now empty again. Yes. Do yes, we and want...
1: our, our glasses
0: are nearly empty. Do we want to do something about that? Whew. I don't know.
1: So, I, I would like to point out we've been recording for almost 25 minutes and we've managed to get an introduction. <laughs> not an introduction of a topic. No.
2: Just an introduction of the hosts okay. of the podcast. Wait,
0: uh, what so, we... are we doing Batman? Are we doing Batman?
2: We can do Batman. We should do Batman. Do Batman. Are, you,
0: wait, are we wanting to do Batman? Are we talking about Batman before the Batman film comes out? Wait, when does the Batman film oh,
2: come out? Oh, not for out? like over a year.
0: Yeah. So, why are we talking about Batman? Because we have Chris Jones here. Okay. Okay, let's talk about Batman. Okay, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs>
1: I do, do we not want to talk about Batman?
2: Well, the, the you know, for anyone that doesn't know me personally, the reason why Batman seems like such an obvious topic to these two, uh, having me here, aside we... from the fact that I've actually drawn Batman comics and it... showed up to the podcast wearing a Batman shirt.
0: Yeah, I'm taking a picture of it as we speak. <laughs>
2: oh, I'm sure this will be a lovely picture. <laughs> Uh, there. It, during that pause, the photo was taken. So enjoy matching that up it's with that. It's a little blurry, but I'm drunk. Oh, so fine. Well, just it, it, consider it windy vision. Anyway, shh. Um, shh. <laughs> sh- aside, <laughs> aside from the fact that I've had the privilege of getting to draw Batman a few times in comics I've worked on, I am someone that doesn't tend to choose favorites. I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. People ask me all the time who's my favorite Doctor, and I'm always like. I honestly don't have one. I like different doctors for different things. It depends on my mood.
0: Well, and every doctor has great moments.
2: Sure. But people ask me my favorite superhero, I was like, okay, that one I can actually answer because it's so far and away, there's just no contest. and It's Batman. It's been that since I was a little kid. I don't remember ever choosing Batman as a favorite superhero. He's always just been the one that resonated with me the most. And there's a ton of things I like about him, which I'm sure we'll get into. But, like, that's that's the deal. I like Batman.
0: I hated The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, me too. <laughs> it what, sucks. What a mess of a fucking film. Well, and honestly,
2: I have liked every movie that Christopher Nolan had ever made up
0: until that point. He's Some totally... better than others, but, like, always really solid films. I'm trying to decide if he pulled an M. Night Shyamalan or a Wachowski. Well
2: seriously. But like I really liked Batman Begins,
0: but I thought it had some
2: weaknesses here and there. I thought it the Dark It was
0: good. It's eminently rewatchable. And yep. the thing is, like Dark Knight The Dark Knight isn't is a better film than the Bat than Batman Begins. Yep. I give it that wholeheartedly. However, I will watch hmm. Batman Begins more often than I will watch The Dark Knight because The Dark Knight is just it's tougher material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to watch. It's a lot more complex. It's a lot rougher emotionally. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so that said, the Batman Begins, though, I always come back to, is your lead charismatic? Christian Bale, he's a little bit of a kook, but he's fucking charismatic, and especially in that film. And a great mm-hmm. actor. Yeah. And he's a great actor. But I will say in The Dark Knight, he started doing that weird voice that I just make fun of. <laughs>
2: well, a lot of that was he. Straight a, a lot of that is that he was pushed there, though. Because, I mean, from what I understand, his early stuff in, in Batman, he wasn't doing that extreme of voice, and Christopher Nolan went in post production and made his voice more that Why would you way. Do so that's that? something that Christopher Nolan wanted.
0: It's recoculous. I don't know. <laughs> I, no, I mean, it's
2: Although serious. if it wasn't for that, we would never have had all the great internet parodies. That's
0: very That's true. That's true. But seriously, it brings me out of the movie every time he talks. Yeah, I know. I'm like, what the fuck is well, that? Well, especially
2: especially since in addition to the actual voice, and I'm sorry that I can't demonstrate this for the listeners, but the, the small opening in the face of the mask kind of butchers his face up a little bit. So you got that whole thing where he's doing that voice. But he also kind of looks like a cupid doll.
0: I think he knew
2: I like, And like he
0: can't get a full breath because his mouth is being squished.
2: Yes. Classic monologues delivered in the Christian Bale Batman voice. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then just you punctuate them with, where's the Joker?
0: <laughs> Friends, Romans, countrymen. Where's the joker. <laughs> I can't, exactly. Even, exactly. I can't even do it.
2: Exactly. That. Um, you know, <laughs> our lives may not be worth more than a hill of beans in this world. But where's the joke? I mean, whatever you want to throw in there. <laughs> do
0: or do not. Where's the joker? <laughs> exactly.
2: It just it it's a party game enjoyed at home. Have fun with your
0: friends. Oh my god. <laughs> um There may come a time when the courage of men fail, but it is not this day. Where's the Joker?
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> I'm mad as hell, and where's
1: the Joker? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Get
2: your hands off me, you damn dirty ape. Where's the Joker? Well, you know, actually, as it occurs to me, like it's not that far from that voice to begin with. In
0: that one, Charlton Heston. Yeah. Charlton Heston
1: Man. as the Batman. Oh. Trump, oh. Charlton
2: Heston would have made a great old Bruce Wayne in a Dark Knight Returns. Movie.
0: Oh, fuck yes. Yes. Fuck yeah. yes. Yes. And yes. So let's finish this in just like five minutes. What the fuck was that mess of The Dark Knight Rises? I don't know. It's like he didn't even care anymore. You, you're supposed to give us answers, Chris. You Because I job. mean, it was always intended to be a three-act structure. It was always well, intended to be three films. And it's like he just went, I don't give a shit. Well,
2: you, you heard all the lip service paid to the whole thing of, oh, I don't even know if we're doing another one right now. We're just trying to make a good movie on this one. And I, I never knew, uh, I never knew, I still don't know how much of that was just the lip service that you do for PR because you're trying to get people to focus on this one, not what your plans are down the road, versus, no, really, they didn't know what they were going to do later. I mean, the thing I do believe them is, you know, when some people had, you know, like, one of the few criticisms I heard about The Dark Knight was that all the the 2 faced stuff that came at the end could have been a whole nother film. You could have... You could have ended The Dark Knight with the Joker is still at large or the Joker's been brought in, but that Harvey Dent is now Two-Face and Two-Face is at large and the third film is Two-Face. You totally could have done that. Mm -hmm. And they said, no, you know, we didn't want to like set up another movie that we were maybe going to make in two or three years. We wanted to tell the story that we had now. So that's great. But then you get to the third one and... I've heard speculation that like oh well you know they had to change their plans because Heath Ledger died and they couldn't have the Joker in it. Like I they had don't... years to well, fix it. Well, I don't get any sense of like where the Joker would have fit in that story, in a way that his absence explains all the things wrong with that movie.
0: They had well, and they had years to fix
1: it. And and I think you have the the same problem in that Batman film as he had in several of the previous ones in that there's way too many villains. Because you have Talia, and you have, well, Catwoman, who's kind of a good, well, whatever, and... Bane. Yeah, Bane, and it's, it's just... It well, becomes scattershot. And, well, and, it, you it have just, that...
0: and it just doesn't make sense. It's like, sometimes when he fights Bane, he gets his ass kicked, but other times he wins. What's the defining factor here? It's What?
2: Well, and the problems of The Dark Knight Rises are in the earlier Batman films, but they're also much worse in The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Characters tend to speak in really lengthy, unnatural monologues. Yeah. There are logic problems that you could drive a truck through. It's just <laughs> it's just in in The Dark Knight it kind of breezes along and it works dramatically and you let it go. And in The Dark Knight Rises, you're like, how the hell did Bruce Wayne get back to Gotham City? What Wait, his back was broken he basically got hung from
1: a rope and punched and he's fine? What the hell? How did he escape from an atomic
0: bomb? Yeah. For me, all of those, you know what bothered me the most? The fight with Bane on the steps outside the building Mm -hmm. in broad daylight. Yeah. I'm like, that's not Batman's M.O. Well, and you know... He would never... That's not his M.O. His M.O. is to confuse you and to strike from the shadows. The thing I
2: assumed they were doing right up until we got to that scene and I was proven wrong is I thought they were lifting from Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns using Bane in place of the leader of the mutant gang where early in the film a Batman who is older and past his physical prime tries to fight the mutant leader who is physically superior like he would have in his, in his youth and gets his ass handed to him And when they have a rematch, it's like, fine, I'm going to use every dirty dirty trick in the book. I'm going to outthink you. And he just takes him apart. And instead, Batman fights Bane, gets his ass handed to him, goes through this whole ordeal with the pit and all this stuff that, you know, you expect the character to have learned something on some sort of mythical journey you know well, I mean, the, in, the, hero's journey, in the hero's
0: journey and then they have the, and
2: then they have the rematch
0: and it's just a slugfest again there's no change in tactics whatsoever and it just i'm like wait he kicked your ass before what's different now if anything you're more damaged now yeah you shouldn't be even be able to hold your own against this yeah. guy and, then just, and this isn't your mo to fight in broad daylight
2: and and the whole thing of you know Batman doesn't use guns, but he'll put huge cannons on his Batpod motorcycle so that, like, you know, if he's ever getting his ass handed to him by a villain, I wouldn't shoot him with a gun, but Catwoman might be there to hop on the bike and pull the trigger for me. (laughs) Do we want to talk about the cops that were trapped underground?
0: Oh, Oh, God. But the ending is so offensive. Yeah. The ending is... What? No. At no point does Bruce Wayne ever get a happy ending. He doesn't. No. He doesn't. He can't let his past go. And the minute you let him let his past go, that's not Bruce Wayne anymore. No.
1: Actually, in a weird way, that ending is kind of true to the Batman franchise because it's really just uh, Adam West running around with some days you just can't get rid of a yeah. bomb. Yeah. I, I <laughs> wouldn't. I wouldn't have believed. That, ah! I wouldn't have believed
2: that the bomb disposal. In, in, that, in the 66 Adam West film would be more plausible to me than the one in the Christopher Nolan film.
0: True. But, oh my God, it was um, awful. What is it about Batman that you love so much?
2: What is it about... Um, it works on every front. Uh, visually, he's the most iconic character in comics. The fact that you can have the character's silhouette and he's unmistakable. Um, just from a uh, visual art point of view, there is so much you can do with the image of Batman. Um, As a character, he's so iconic and compelling that you can do all these radically different takes from the, the dark, realistic grittiness of the Christopher Nolan films to the Adam West TV series, and it's all very recognizably the same character. And it doesn't even feel to me like the Adam West series is so much a parody of Batman, but just kind of like this extreme other end of the spectrum of what Batman can be. Um, love well, you that. Know, I, I mean, the, I the basic
0: concept has a certain ridiculous quality. Sure it does. Mm-hmm. You're an extremely rich man, and you've gone off the deep end. And you've yeah. created an entire secret identity so you can go out and fight crime instead of, I don't know, just giving money to the police force. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, well, I, I was talking to uh, Dean Tripp, who is uh, a really great writer and artist of comics and uh, a fellow extreme Batman fan. The thing that Dean Tripp said about Batman that, you know, I've felt this way, but he summed it up very nicely is, putting on a bat costume to fight crime is a promise that you make to yourself when you're eight years old. You may not be able to execute it until you're an adult, but that's a decision you make when you're eight.
1: Interesting
0: a very interesting yeah. take on
2: that. Um yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, when even in the Nolan films, when he's when Alfred says, Why bats? They scare the shit out of me. They have since I was a kid. Yeah. If it scares me, I figure I can use it to scare others.
2: Yeah.
0: I've got mine open. Kinda. <laughs> shit. Do these no, Wendy and I are yeah. confounded. Noah yeah. no, says use bottle opener. These were supposed to be twist talks.
2: Welcome to the oh, Mercury no. Theater. Oh no! Bang!
1: <laughs> the cinnamon. I have I have a church key on my purse. Oh. You yeah, know there
2: are there are Orson Welles Mercury Theater outtakes that are we just could. like this.
1: Um,
2: Orson
0: Welles wishes he were this entertaining.
2: Orson Welles wishes he were alive.
0: Exactly my yes. point. Um, Orson Welles wishes he was in Batman. Orson Welles. Oh, well, Wells, he does. Yeah, Orson Welles was the voice of he Unicron did. in Transformers, he was. so he can't talk about shit.
2: No, By no, no There no, is Orson... a marvelous. It, 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 it's a spoof. It's parody, but it's wonderful. Um, there is a wonderful piece online that somebody put out as a hoax. It's so nicely done, though, about a Batman movie that Orson Welles supposedly wanted to make. And man, they have, they have sketches that are supposedly by Orson Welles of the characters and the casting he wanted. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to visit an alternate reality where that's true and got made. Because um, I could totally see, given that, you know, in reality, Orson Welles liked comics, liked pulps. I mean, he played The Shadow on radio and lobbied to make a Shadow movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is totally plausible to me. Oh. That he might have wanted to make <laughs> but, a Batman movie, but
0: The Shadow is one of my underappreciated movies. Yes, The Shadow is mm. pretty. Because awesome. there's some great dresses in it. Yes, but but <laughs> but didn't Orson Welles say that he
1: he wanted to be asked to be in the oh, Batman? Team? That. Oh, that
2: yeah. No, well, that, there's a difference. If you want to make a Batman movie and that. Yeah, Orson Welles in an interview said, I don't know when it was, but sometime long after the Adam West Batman series had been on the air, they asked him if he had any regrets in his career. And he said that uh, he loved he loved acting in things that he didn't have to write or direct. He loved doing comedy. And no one... It, rarely was he asked. But if you see him in something like Catch-22, he's
1: marvelous. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, and he said one of the big regrets of his career is that they never asked him to be a guest villain on the Adam West Batman series. Because apparently he would have done it in a heartbeat. I, I have vague memories as a child of being tantalized by the concept of the Adam West show and not having been able to see it yet. It was, you know, it's like I knew of it before it had been on in a market where I could watch it cuz you know, I wasn't around when it was originally on. I grew up seeing it eventually uh, seeing it in uh, in syndicated reruns. Yep. So I'm pretty sure the first Batman I saw outside of comics was probably like the Super Friends or something. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, I eventually saw Batman Grew up and I went, you know, like most kids you see it as a kid and you don't get the camp at all it's just Batman and it's awesome because it's
1: Biff Pow yeah. Kablam
2: yeah and, and the idea of a of a TV show where there's sound effects hanging in the air when they punch somebody doesn't seem strange to you at all it's just cool yeah. um,
0: if that is truth I was like yes that is what should happen when you punch someone <laughs> Of course it is. I'd never read a comic when I saw Batman as a kid. Saw,
2: another thing I saw on Facebook once, I will hit you in the face so hard that a sound effect describing the impact will appear in thin air. It's like which is a great, you know, threat if you can pull that off. Mm-hmm. Well, and for anyone who doesn't know, when it first went on the air, it aired two nights a week, Wednesdays and Thursdays with as a half-hour episode with a cliffhanger at the end of the Wednesday night episode and it was meant to evoke old movie serials and their cliffhangers yeah when you're a kid you don't get the camp. it's just cool it's just awesome and then you get a little older and i actually went through a phase where i hated that show because i realized they were making fun of Batman and that's just wrong <laughs> and you know that eventually passed because I, I eventually realized like is, this is kind of funny
1: <laughs> actually wasn't, wasn't just that, can't get rid of a bomb. wasn't wasn't that the phase of also oh Catwoman's kind of hot
2: well, I uh I, I I i if I ever thought
0: of her a statuesque.
2: If I ever went through psychoanalysis, there's a lot to be made that I saw Batman and therefore uh Julie Newmar and Yvonne Craig during my formative years and the impact that might have had on my tastes later in life.
0: <laughs> Batman <laughs> The
2: the the Frank Gorshin version of the Riddler Mm. To me, defines the character. I see the character in a comic book, and like I was like, well, that's nice. But to me, the Riddler is Frank Gorshin, Frank Gorshin. and I love the fact that in the comics, you know, the Joker in modern versions is this total monster of a homicidal maniac, mm-hmm. and the Riddler may be kind of nuts, and he's a he's a interesting villain for Batman. But you know, there's he's not. He's not, like, scary the way the Joker is scary. The TV show is kind of flipped. It's like the Joker was a a cool, fun villain. The Riddler, you did not want to be alone in a room with that guy. He was, like, bouncing off the wall crazy. Frank Gorshin, like, took that performance to a level where I was like, Dear God, he needs to be medicated.
0: What I remember is his physicality. He had that question mark kind motif, of body oh, and then yeah. he like oh, yeah. did his best to make his body emulate it. The way he kind of curve and hunch over, and kind of move around. I'm like, "You're creepy." There's
2: there yeah. a I forget where it comes in the series. I think it's probably sometime in season 2 that Frank Gorshin wasn't available and they didn't think they were going to have Frank Gorshin back and they you know, the Riddler was too good of a villain. To throw away. So they tried to go the path they'd gone with uh, Mr. Freeze and that they eventually went with Catwoman where they brought in a different actor. And John Aston, who's best known as having played Gomez on The Addams Family. Oh,
0: he, and yay! I love him. Father Cain. of she, John Astin, yes, Sam yeah. Gamgee Came
2: in and did a two-parter as The Riddler. And I honestly think he'd be a lot better remembered by Batman fans if it would given him his own character rather than him having to have lived in the shadow of Frank Gorshin. Yeah. Especially since Frank Gorshin then did come back. So you've just got like this one story where this other guy played the Riddler. And then you get the uh, the various cartoons they did in the 60s and 70s. Um, here- of
0: course, Justice League.
2: Yeah. All the- Super Friends. Bef- well, before- yeah, before we get to Justice League... You were talking about like those incredibly obscure things that I know for no particular reason. <laughs> there, there was a period where somehow they had made a deal for them to be able to have Batman on the Super Friends. And that was airing on ABC. But then they also made a deal to do an animated Batman show that was like a solo Batman show on CBS. So you actually had a brief period where on Saturday mornings... Two different networks had cartoons that had Batman in them.
0: Whoa. I might remember that.
2: Um, well, if this helps you remember, the solo show that was on CBS was the one that had Adam West and Burt Ward doing the voices, and they were paired up with Batmite.
0: <gasps> Good God. Oh. Oh. Why do I remember that?
2: And it was made by the Lou Scheimer Studio, who are the same people that later did like He-Man and She-Ra.
0: Yeah, it was really shitty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they, they would say it as cost-effective limited animation.
0: Yes, but limited I would animation not meaning shitty all, animation. Only our mouths move while we stand still, and,
2: and there would be various like movements that they would recycle and use again and again and again in every episode. Oh my yeah.
0: god, that was. Fucking shitty. I loved Super Friends so much. I don't give a shit how bad it was. I loved. Oh,
2: well you know when I made a comment earlier when about Indian the fact chief that Chief showed
0: up, I was always happy.
2: Apache uh, Chief, but yes,
0: <laughs> whatever. Apache Chief. Yeah, and GG. and yeah. I,
2: I
1: I had know, I
2: I'm had drunk. the pleasure.
1: The... I'm 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 more of a Black Manta fan myself. But...
2: I had the pleasure in Aquaman privilege.
0: was always my ultimate favorite. <laughs> That's kind I, of that awesome. it's true. I loved Aquaman. I always loved Aquaman. He could talk to dolphins. <laughs>
2: so Apache Chief was part of a period when they were being well intentioned, but. They were trying to do
0: that 70s, like, after the hippies thing. Well, it was becoming a
2: little... No, it was becoming a little awkward. They were realizing, oh, boy, all of our characters are white, aren't they? All of them. Every last one, except for the space monkey. (laughs) And so they thought, like, we'll bring in some... We will increase the diversity of our cast. But but instead of just, you know, some superheroes that happen to not be white, they did this really heavy-handed, we'll bring in Apache Chief and Samurai and El Dorado and they're like all these like very ethnically themed superheroes I heard a great description of it once like the, the a, lot, a lot of the ethnic superheroes of that area of that era it's like it's like another country had decided to have an American superhero and they were baseball men <laughs> You know, That's it's true. that kind of, like, very heavy-handed, we-know-nothing-of-your-culture-but-we're-going-to... I going was to,
0: five years old, and I liked Apache Chief. I'm not saying you shouldn't like Apache Chief. I like Apache Chief. He got big and tall, and he stomped.
2: He said, Enoch Chuck," and he got really big.
0: You're such a nerd. You no,
2: know, the reason it's I'm true. a nerd is that I designed an action figure for him. <laughs> the The toy line that they did years later for the Justice League animated series... Kept selling and selling and selling years after the sh- they'd stopped making episodes of the show, and it got to the point I where they had done. Watching
0: Young Justice, does Apache Chief show up?
2: Not exactly, but I... kind of.
0: I love you so much. I can't wait to finish watching. <laughs>
2: but, but, basically, they've been doing toys for the Justice League line, and they've pretty much done every character there was to do on the show. So, they started wanting to make toys in the style of that show of other DC characters who never had appeared on the show. And I got to do, you know, line drawing character designs that they then gave to the toy sculptors to base action figures on. And I got to do Apache Chief, Black Vulcan, <laughs> Samurai. I got to do Plastic you... Man.
0: Oh, are you shitting me? I, I, that I so got, so got to I do the Doom Patrol.
2: <laughs> I got to do Shazam.
1: Ah!
2: Now, they'd already done Captain Marvel, but I got to design Shazam, Mary Marvel, and Black Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, but what so
1: about Hoppy the Marvel Bunny? I
2: did not. They, they did not ask me to do Hoppy
1: the Why Marvel Why did Bunny? they not do Hoppy the Marvel Bunny? I
2: don't know. Well, so, since we brought up Young Justice... We can actually bring this back on topic. I really loved the way Batman was treated on Young Justice because one of my pet peeves about Batman uh, in the comics and in other media is when people take to too much of an extreme the idea of Batman as being just crazy, as being like this kind of like borderline insane. Dick of a character. There's been so much stuff with him being just monstrously awful to some of the sidekicks that he's taken on. And, you know, for, first of all, I, I want my Batman to be more of a hero.
0: Also, his dad... I want to believe that his dad was awesome. Mm-hmm. And he had enough of a relationship with his dad for that awesome to rub off.
2: Well, and the big thing to me is they often portray him... As being like really oblivious
0: to the feelings of people
2: around him, almost in a like a, a Sherlock Holmes sort of
0: way, a little bit autistic. But the thing
2: is, I don't think uh, Sherlock Holmes aside, I don't think you can be as great a detective as Batman is supposed to be, and be that oblivious to the emotional state of people around you and the psychology of people you around you. You can't be
0: the world's greatest detective and not know what is driving yeah. people around you. Plus,
2: I just think the idea of of that portrayal of Batman is such a one-note portrayal. It gets boring. And so I really was delighted when I first started watching Young Justice and saw that they had him be a really effective mentor figure, not just to Robin, but the whole team. You know, the fact that, like, yeah, he's obsessed, he's dark, he's driven, he's stern, he's the guy that everybody really wants to impress. But he was the guy that, like he would stick up for the team and and you know there, there's an early episode I think it's the one with Bane episode 4 where um, they go on a mission and everything just goes totally foobar and uh, they're they're getting debriefed back at the, the their cave headquarters later and uh, Batman kind of like ticks down the list of all the things that went wrong and that they did wrong and he says that said well done and he'll look at him like what? and he says no plan of of attack survives first contact with the enemy. You know, you 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 know, did what you had to do to to, to pull it out and you know, well done. And did, like did that's you, so much more interesting and compelling and likable as a character.
0: Did you accomplish the mission? Yeah. Yes. Did it go as planned? Fuck no. It no. never does.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it only goes that way in heist films.
2: Have you have you gotten to uh, the episode yet? Where something cataclysmic is happening? It looks like just everybody's getting killed. Shut up. Okay.
0: Shut up. That could describe many an episode, and you're being purposefully vague, which I appreciate. But shut up.
2: Well, I I will I will pull out the one tiny anecdote then that I don't think is going to be a horrible spoiler for you. The episode after that, it has so affected the team. The follow up episode to that is effect is essentially about the team getting counseling
0: <laughs> they're
2: all sitting down one by one with black canary oh. who is basically counseling them on what they went through and there's a great moment with robin where he talks about you know i came into this just being all gung-ho and wanting to be team leader and you know everybody expects that like when i you know get older i'm gonna be you know just like batman and i don't know if i want to be
1: Nice.
2: And it's like that's so much more interesting than just you know the the really yeah why would you two-dimensional portrayal
0: well and and why would you re- think about it for as much as you look up to him, would you really want to be like Batman?
2: Well and' I've, and I've read stories that I really like in their portrayal of Batman where somebody calls them and like, why are you taking these taking in these kids you know are, you know are you why would you take a kid and want to, to make them turn out just like you? And his response is, no, you don't understand, I'm working with him because I don't want them to turn out just like me. Ta-da! There you go. That's the character. Thank you. Good night.
0: One thing I really liked in the Nolan Batman Begins is how warm his father was. Yeah. And how even, even in the short time they had a relationship, how very much his father influenced him and how much he misses him and that warmth If you experience that as a child, and you miss it, and you're pissed at it being taken away from you, at the same time, it's going to affect you differently. Well,
2: and when you get a film series where they're afraid to bring in Robin because they think sidekicks are silly, one of the interesting things about the character that you lose by eliminating that... Is how much of Batman is about trying to rebuild this surrogate family?
0: Yeah,
2: you know you've now got Alfred as the surrogate father figure, but you look at all these kids he keeps taking in, and like, oh, I'm a loner, I'm a creature of the night, blah blah blah. He, he keeps taking in more kids <laughs>
0: because he really, really wants to recreate his childhood and this time do it right.
2: Well, and what? What is he going to empathize with more in the world than a damaged kid that doesn't have anybody else? I mean, I like the idea of a Bruce Wayne that occasionally enjoys himself being Batman. He gets satisfaction out of being Batman. Well, he should. He's going around helping people.
0: He should. I mean, seriously, he's doing what he wants. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? He's stopping bad guys. There should be some satisfaction. And then when he sees Robin being successful, there should be some, look at what I did. That kid would not be doing this without me. Look at that. I am a successful mentor. As a teacher, myself, I can tell you, when a kid succeeds, Mm -hmm. you're like, check it out. Look at what he can do.
2: And we will discuss a lot more about Dick Grayson once you've watched season two.
0: Shoosh.
1: to move this along we have not talked about the Tim Burton I was about I was
0: literally just about to say what about Burton well
1: I
2: give I give the first Tim Burton Batman movie especially all the credit in the world for you know they got a a Batman movie made in Hollywood that took the characters seriously when everybody outside of comics fandom thought that Batman was the Adam West series yep that's huge and they made this expressionist uh richly visual really Very gothic gothic batman movie made now it's got flaws all over the place <laughs> and batman returns is even more of a mixed bag the good stuff is better but there's bad stuff that's worse it's
0: like attack of the clones Right. Um, the good stuff is better, but the bad stuff well, is Well, and the really so sad
2: thing worse. is, as much as I love the casting of Danny DeVito as the Penguin, you could almost divide that film into all the Catwoman stuff is great, and all the Penguin stuff sucks. Yeah. yeah. But that's the script. I think the script... Yeah, I, I the yeah problem it was, is, that was
1: not the fault of Danny DeVito no, by any no, stretch.
2: No, I, I, I thought their version of the villain was a lot more gr- gross out than it needed to yeah.
0: be. Yeah, it really was.
2: And... Um, the penguin elements of the plot were more ludicrous and got further into the camp the than the film around it seemed to support.
0: Well, and that wasn't the film that had been that had come before. No, you had made me believe in this world. Yeah, mm-hmm. and now you're strapping rockets to penguins. not just
2: strapping rockets to penguins, but you can you can kidnap all the children in Gotham while their parents are out at Christmas parties. Because apparently they're just abandoned at home and nobody has noticed and there's no police doing anything. And then send these penguins with a rocket strapped to their backs waddling from an abandoned zoo into the heart of the city through empty streets. What? I mean, like, there's just all this stuff where it's like, it's just so absurd and there's no plausibility to it even on a uh a, a larger than life movie level well
0: the problem is that's not the movie they had made no no and no. i remember when batman came out i was in college and one of my college friends david was a huge batman fan he was super excited and i was laughing at him because i wasn't into comics at all and i'm just like it's a batman film it's gonna be ridiculous are you kidding me and we all went out to like a 10 p.m movie after probably a theatrical rehearsal yeah and i was really like blown away by the film i'm like mm-hmm. uh that was kind of awesome Mm-hmm.
2: The, the, because and, michael
0: and, and, keaton had been known for being he was mr, mr. mom, mom. He and was, beetlejuice and well and he was also mm. Soft and pudgy. Mm -hmm.
2: When I first heard that Michael Keaton was going to be in the Batman film, I assumed that he was going to play the Joker.
0: (laughs) His his face was just so soft and pudgy, and yet he had such a great take on the character. I'm not sure it's my favorite take. I'm not sure how it would actually play out in real life, but for the world they created, he was a really weird... Bruce Wayne. Yeah,
2: I like a Bruce Wayne who is formidable without the suit. I loved the scene in the Dark Knight where the Joker shows up at the fundraising party that Bruce Wayne's having for Harvey Dent, and when the guys come in and Bruce Wayne leaves the room and he like takes out the guy in the hallway and just takes the gun apart with his bare hands and never breaks his stride. It's like I love that Bruce Wayne. But the the version that they did in in the Tim Burton film where he kind of needs the suit To be as physically capable as why he built the suit, and that outside of it, he's like he doesn't know what to do with himself. He does not fit into the world easily.
0: Mm -hmm. That he's Um, very out of sorts. Yeah,
2: it's like that's a very different take on the character, but it's a it's a take that works.
0: It's well, it's taking oddly. It's taking the Nolan idea even further, which is no Bruce Wayne is the mask. The real person is the Batman. When Michael Keaton is Bruce Wayne, he's awkward, he doesn't know how to relate to people, Mm -hmm. put him in the suit, he knows exactly what to do.
2: I think Nicholson brought a prestige to the film in the same way that Marlon Brando did for Superman the movie back in the day,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: but the, the problem I had with Nicholson as the Joker is that it was, we've seen Nicholson play crazy so many times that it just was like oh it's Nicholson with the green hair I mean he never disappeared mm-hmm. into the character for me so you know when when they were making The Dark Knight I had conversations with a number of friends including our, our friend Ishmael um, saying no I think there's there's room for this to be a way better Joker than the Nicholson Joker and he thought I was nuts I'm like no no, no the, you you don't understand what the potential of that character is
0: the potential of that character is fucking scary yeah mm-hmm. yeah then- God damn it, Heath. Little... God damn it. <laughs> yeah. you, know. you and Philip Seymour Hoffman, there are there are lots of people who have died too young, but you two I particularly feel because you had more to show us. Oh, so are we Batman. going to
1: um, talk about the... Schumacher,
0: Schumacher. films? Schumacher... Okay. So is there, is there
1: anything we can say about the Schumacher films that has not been okay. dug into the ground?
0: I the have internet? a fondness for the Schumacher films. Be wait. Whoa. 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 I have a fondness for for Batman and Robin, and here is why. Okay. Because I was over at Mr. Jones' house visiting, having a social. Yeah. Having a social visit. As you do. As one does when they're visiting a friend. I'm looking over his collection of movies and I see.
2: A VHS tape.
0: A VHS tape. With a
2: handwritten label.
0: Handwritten, which means it's a dub.
2: It says Batman and Robin.
0: Batman and Robin. I'm like, wait a. What? 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 I haven't seen the film ever. But I have heard what a piece of absolute shit it is. And I know christopher jones loves batman and the fact that he is a dubbed copy means he made an effort to get a copy of this and i looked at that i'm what 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 i turned to christopher jones what the fuck is this shit i am seeing on your shelf that says batman and robin and his reply was
2: i wanted to have a copy of it so if any of my friends out of perverse curiosity ever felt the need to see the film i could show it to them without another single penny making its way into the coffers of warner brothers from that film
0: (laughs) and that is why i love i have a certain fondness for the film and then and then because i was like i've never seen it i have to admit i'm curious is it really that bad he's like well let's just pop it in and so we did and it was so much fun watching it with Christopher Jones. Not that it was good. No. Oh, it's
1: a terrible film.
0: It's an awful film, and it's not so bad it's good. It's just awful. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason it was enjoyable was because I had Christopher Jones sitting there going, wait for this next part. You're not going to believe what happens. It was like some link bait on Facebook. Wait for the next thing. You're not going to believe
1: what yeah. you yeah. see. Those the, yeah. the movies.
2: When, when Batman and Robin start bidding on Poison Ivy at the auction, like she was a piece of fucking meat, you won't believe what happens next. When
0: Batman pulls out his credit card that says, Batman, <laughs> expiration date forever. forever.
2: And when he pulls it out, there's a little cha-ching sound effect.
0: What? What What? just... And then there was the blacklight skateboard yeah. thing. And the... The airboarding. There was so much that was awful about it. And every time we got Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Mr. Time, Freeze, Sports Poison
2: Ivy. Ivy, and Bane.
0: And every time it got more awful, I'd turn with this look of horror. Just, what am I watching? And Christopher Jones would be like, oh no, wait till the next part.
2: Yeah, it gets <laughs> worse.
0: What? I mean,
2: it keeps kind of building in awfulness until you get to take two of these and call me in the morning. They did not just do that. Oh, it's so terrible. Oh, it's yeah. so A yeah. wow, the audio saying that. Oh, That's cool. we
1: can fix
0: that in <laughs> If you ever have to watch Batman and Robin, I recommend you do it with DC Comics artist Christopher Jones <laughs> well, because it makes it at least oddly palatable. Well, and Actually, I will
2: say this. I, yeah. Oh, yeah, you go ahead.
1: You I was going to say... Uh, One of my really fun times ever watching a movie was actually watching Batman and Robin. Mm -hmm. Um, This was back when Chris and I were living together, and Mm -hmm. we had gotten done doing a movie party, and back then when we wanted to take a break during a movie party, we'd throw in a movie, turn off the volume, and turn up music, so the the visuals were there, but music was playing so people could talk over it. Well, we decided. Which is a great
2: party to... trick, but don't ever do it with Metropolis.
1: Don't. It doesn't work with Metropolis because no. people just get just super drawn in. But anyway, uh, we we it was super late at night. There were still several people over, and so we did this with for some reason Batman and Robin. We just threw in Batman and Robin, and turned up music, and everybody in the room was just mm. super engaged with this terrible, terrible film. And it was kind of like riffing on it, but I don't kinda, well. There, there
0: becomes something sort of fascinating about somebody who consistently makes the wrong choice, yeah. Like, I'll like say Neil this. Breen, right? Like <laughs> you're not really gonna. Oh my God, you did that! Why would you do that? That's horrible. I love oh. that we just
1: equated Joel Schumacher with Neil Breen. This makes me immensely happy. I, well, it's so true. Whoa, yeah. I will
2: go out on a limb and say this: No Batman film should have that much fuchsia in it. <laughs> and for yeah. for anyone who doesn't know, there's there is a delightful yeah. <laughs> episode of Batman the animated series. Yes, where kids are standing around talking about what they think Batman is really like, and they use it as a framing device to do three really fun vignettes of kind of alternate takes on Batman. It's a really and fun one one is uh, kind of the 1950s Dick Sprang uh, drawn comic book Batman era one is the Dark Knight Returns um, and you know they're, they're really fun but uh, as these kids are standing around talking this this kid with long hair who's drawn slightly to look like Joel Schumacher walks up and says are you guys talking about Batman I love Batman with that rubber suit and I hear the Batmobile can drive up walls and one of the other kids just says shut up Joel <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's awesome
2: the one thing I want to say about Batman and Robin, though, is uh, is a word in defense of George Clooney, because it that film is not George Clooney's fault as much as he seems to take great pleasure in in assuming all blame for the film. He loves to go <laughs> yeah. on talk shows and talk about how he personally killed the Batman film franchise.
1: I I think George Clooney was actually a fun, pretty okay Batman. Well, it he was a, a terrible. He film. was a
0: really great Bruce Wayne.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, the thing is, if you, I mean. I, I remember seeing Three Kings when it came yeah. out. And you watch that, it's like, that guy could play Batman. Yeah. Um, but not in that film with that script and with that director.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing. You watch Christian Bale in Equilibrium and you're like, oh, this is your audition reel for Batman. Hello. Oh, do you, know, you want to know what really pisses me off? Again, going back to the feminist thing, the Batgirl, Alicia Silverstone, whatever... And she goes to fight, and her hair is loose. Yeah, what no the fuck with that? No woman with long hair would ever leave their hair loose when they were going to get shit I, done.
2: I hated I, their version of Batgirl so much.
1: I, I think I think Joel Schumacher has no concept of what women are.
2: No, the thing I hated about his version of Batgirl, aside from the fact that um, I like the actor Pat Hingle, who played Commissioner Gordon through all four of those Batman films. Mm-hmm. And... Gordon hadn't had a lot to do. He had like a decent role in the first one and then had had like less to do in the second and third. And I thought when they first said they were going to have they were going to introduce Batgirl in the next film I thought oh great they're bringing Barbara Gordon we're going to get more of uh, more for the commissioner to do.
0: No she's Alfred's
2: niece. She's Alfred's niece. She shows up all judgmental about how badly uh, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson are treating Alfred doesn't listen to anything Alfred has to say about being happy there and well-treated. She's just all pissed that they didn't know that Alfred was sick, even though he'd been deliberately concealing it from them. Alfred gives her an encrypted disc asking her to respect his privacy and pass it along to another family relative uh, and saying only family can be trusted. She takes the disc, cracks the encryption... Sees all the Batman secrets, goes down into the Batcave, and you're supposed to like like her. Oh, and she'd stolen a valuable collector's motorcycle earlier in the film to do like dangerous night racing, and and destroys it. You know, it's like wh- what in all this is supposed to make the character sympathetic or somebody that we're happy to see joining the team? I wanted them to, you know, they make a joke late in the film when they when Batman and Robin realize that she knows their identities. Well, I guess we'll have to kill her then. And I'm like. Yes! Please kill her You know, in the uh Batgirl um it comes into Young Justice in in season two, I drew her in the comic, and I got a lot of compliments from younger female uh fans about how I drew a lot of the female characters and especially Batgirl. And I was kinda of baffled by that at first because I'm like, Well, I'm just drawing the models from the show. I didn't design the character, I'm just Matching what they did. And then I realized, oh, it's not just physically what I'm making her look like. It's the fact that I'm not making her constantly like be sticking her butt out and being all, you know, I'm sexy. It's like, no, she's doing acrobatics and fighting and just kicking butt along with the rest of the guys. And that's just how I treat her.
0: You mean and not, that's
2: what they're responding she's to. She's not
0: always standing like this. With <laughs> her hip out and her boobs out at the same time. Which is really awkward. Ow! That hurts. Great radio, Wendy.
1: Yeah, great.
0: great no, the "ow that hurts" is pretty good radio. Yeah, yeah that's true. Nice. It is. I
2: was I was really pleased, and you know, I have to give credit to, to Greg Wiseman for writing the scene. We had we had an issue in uh, the Young comic where um, they're like cut off from everybody else, so no one can come to help. Batgirl gets into a fight with a character who is basically our version of Bizarro, ah. and they end up fighting to a standstill. She, you know, neither one of them win, but Batgirl fights him to a standstill for an hour. Yeah. And just, holy crap! <laughs> that's impressive for, you know, someone that's like at the power level of Superman versus, you know, Batgirl,
0: who's just human. Yeah. All she's got is her wits. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yay.
2: Yeah. No, it was it was awesome. It was a really fun sequence to draw.
1: So, Woo. What, what's your ideal? Of- Batgirl movie.
2: Batgirl movie?
1: Yeah. yeah. Good. Goddamn, we're overdue. Um,
0: Snow fucking shit. Yeah.
2: I would love to see a TV show or a movie focused on Batgirl. I wouldn't want to see it make the same mistake that... Um, there was a TV series a number of years ago of Birds of Prey
0: mm-hmm.
2: that um, that Barbara Gordon was in. And the, the problem I had with that was it was a show full of characters... That who for whom Batman was like a pivotal figure in all their lives, but Batman was never going to be on the show, never ever was going to make an appearance on the show. So it was, just, it was, it was, you know, Batman was like, you know, the castaways getting off Gilligan's Island. It's what every episode was about, but was never going to happen. And so, you know, it's like, if you're going to do a Batgirl show, like, what. Well, have Batman be in it, but find a way to still have the focus be on Batgirl. You know, I'll, here's the one final thing that might be worth saying about Batgirl. Barbara Gordon is my favorite Batgirl, but I prefer Barbara Gordon to be Oracle mm, because yeah. yes, um, I, you know, I've gotten very conscious in recent years about the importance of representation for different groups in mainstream comics, and I loved. That um, Oracle was a representation for people in wheelchairs and with various kinds of physical disabilities in comics. but also just, you know, she was a strong, unique, interesting character. And by the nature of being Oracle, you know, she was unique. She had her own identity. and and I thought Barbara Gordon was more valuable to the culture of comics in that role then turning her back into batgirl when there have been multiple batgirls and once again it's a it's a character that's derivative of a pre-existing male character and all that stuff so even though She's my favorite of all the wonderful characters that have been Batgirl. If I had my way, Barbara Gordon is Oracle and somebody else is Batgirl.
1: So perhaps a trilogy of films where you start with Batgirl and then <sighs> she has the arc. of Well, them. yeah. Oh, why sure. not?
0: Yeah. Honestly, after Frozen, after Gravity, after Hunger Games, why wouldn't you do a Batgirl trilogy?
2: And, and if you're gonna, and if you're gonna have to like break her back to put her in the wheelchair, and you don't want to do the killing joke which is how it happened in the comic, which is a great comic. But if for some reason you didn't want to go there, uh, take a page page from uh, Over the Edge, which is my favorite episode of the Batman animated series where Barbara Gordon goes over the edge of a building fighting the Scarecrow. It's like one of the most intense things I've ever seen on Saturday morning television. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyone want to look it up? the the over the edge episode from the fourth and final season of Batman the animated series it's fantastic there's
0: a lot wow. of things in Batman the animated series that were just like you put this on saturday morning that's
2: awesome wow. and and they and
0: going back to our previous episode about mm-hmm. family entertainment that you don't need to dumb it yeah. down for kids
2: yeah and and they took what had been at best a C list Batman villain in Mr. Freeze and made him one of the great Batman villains with their reinvention of him.
0: I remember that. You showed yeah. me that. That was awesome. Well, that
2: was, that was one of the things that was galling about Batman Robin is that they used the whole tragic origin story of Mr. Freeze with the frozen wife Nora and all that stuff, which was invented for the animated series. But managed to execute it so poorly that it lost all the pathos and was just ridiculous.
0: Well, yeah, he's he's doing all this for his frozen wife, but he's got Playboy bunnies and fur outfits draped all over him.
2: Well, it was the it was the uh, the bathrobe with polar bears all over it that that I was just like, <laughs> I'm done, I am done. And and the cigar, because of course, if you're Mister Freeze, you want open flame around you.
0: <laughs> of course you do. Um, your Mister Freeze yeah. is played by Arnold Schwarzenegger.
2: Uh, what else did you want to do to wrap this up?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need to, well, do, we a need a to do the questions. questions. Okay. We
2: need
1: to do the listener questions. So. Listener questions.
0: Right, listener questions wait, time. Wait, it's time for our listener questions. I feel like we need a theme song for,
1: for uh, well, our listener we questions. Need,
0: we need ba, to kind up All right then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listener, who are you? Dave.
1: <laughs> hey Dave yes I know I know this Dave by the way oh. Dave, Dave is an international listener oh. Dave is British oh! yes. so wait you should be like Dave I'm, da- da- I'm Dave. Dave from Britain you'd think if he was British he'd be David but I, I don't know maybe I'd, I'd I, haven't know. Been in, I don't know I don't know
0: but no. it's Dave it's okay Dave. so well, Dave, hey.
1: Dave Lister Dave Hello, Dave from I'm Britain a... what do you do read Yay. watch watch movies Drink coffee? Oh, so much coffee. Mmm. <laughs> Footy around on the internets. Ramble at length on my blog about random things. Currently an A to Z of movies. Ooh. I'll link to his blog. Yeah, his A to Z of movies is, is quite good. He's, he's, he's rather interested in James Bond films.
0: <laughs> As we all are. As we all are. Uh, uh, so, yes. Dave... What is in your personal
1: pleasure dome? A large, well-stocked coffee shop next to a cinema capable of both 70 millimeter and IMAX with seats that are actually
0: comfortable. Oh, mm. now I would like those seats to be comfortable for a variety of heights because as a very short person, I really hate when they've got the, quote, headrest that is actually nothing more than a shove your head forward into your lap. Ooh, yes, mm. yes, you
1: I so adjustable that. and comfortable.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: And he continues, and Melissa feeding movies into the projector. Well. <laughs> <Noel>. And wine.
0: <laughs> As one must. Yes. As one must.
1: <laughs> I I am happy to take up the job in Dave's pleasure dome.
2: <laughs> so so assuming that the wine isn't entirely reserved for his consumption. There's the possibility of you getting increasingly drunk while trying to operate a film projector. Oh yes. This this sounds like a recipe for adventure.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> See, adventure is out there. <laughs> All right, Dave. Ooh, ooh. This is good, yes. What is your recommendation for our communal pleasure dome? Jeunay's Mick-Max. Atul... Yes. Nick max Mick is max. awesome. Yes, yes, Dave. You I, like I you.
2: concur.
0: Oh, Dave, yes. I like you so much for recommending that. <laughs> yes. Also,
1: Besson's Subway. Mm. Have, have you guys seen Subway? I have, I have not. not. Oh, Subway. But I am a fan of Besson. Yeah. Uh, it's one of Besson's very early films. It's like circa 1985-ish with uh, the Highlander dude. Christopher Lambert. Lambert. If I remember right. Yes.
0: I am Christopher Lambert. And there,
1: it's, it's, it's very, it, it's very bizarre. Where's the Joker? And also, Jean-Jacques Venet's Diva, and parentheses, I'm on a French kick.
0: Apparently, I did <laughs> notice.
1: Uh, also, oh, and big, dumb, glorious, fun, national treasure, which is awesome what? and silly but mainly awesome
0: i know dave, i love you so much. have i told dave have you heard the story about national treasure so there i was in the video store and they had national treasure for sale used and i picked it up and i turned to my husband i'm like look honey it's only five dollars and he said why would you want to own that when we already own raiders of the lost ark which is the (laughs) exact same film only good and i looked at him and i said sometimes you want raiders but bad (laughs) and i won that argument and i did buy the film and i love
1: national treasure too you know what i don't think national treasure is necessarily bad i think it's over the top like not just over the top but like soaring so far over the wall that it's It's, like attached to an airplane you've got
0: to appreciate a film that is just like we made this i keep knocking over your bottle why do you put that there shut up it was a tie. They Technically, didn't the anything. most recent
2: time you put it there because the, you knocked it over.
0: Shut up. It was a tie.
2: All right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Points if you know what movie I'm referencing. I don't. Know.
2: Should have mentioned earlier that perhaps if you were drinking along at home, the podcast would make more sense at this point.
0: I have been drinking Angry Orchard Apple Ginger Christopher Jones had one too, but Melissa has been drinking water, so I don't know what her excuse is.
1: I'm still coasting off the last two episodes and therefore two bottles of wine we already drank.
0: And Chris didn't drink any of that wine, so it's just Melissa and I making do here. We're just we're we're doing it for you. We're finishing the wine for you. It's all for you, Damien. She says
2: finishing as though it's an ongoing process. The wine's been gone for a while now.
0: Yeah, Yeah, but it's the gifts that keeps on giving.
2: Okay. Woo,
0: woo, yeah. All right, so anyway, dear listeners,
1: thank you for joining us on
0: Xanadu Cinema
1: (laughs) Pleasure Dome.
0: I know, right? (laughs) It was epic. It was totally yep, it epic. It was epic. It was epic. And, I don't even know what. Time and because it
1: is. we love you, we edit our episodes.
0: Oh my god! It's after midnight.
1: Yes, I know. So sweet thank you. Jesus. So that was Wendy, who is exclaiming how late it is. <laughs> Hi, we She's used.
2: now waving at the microphone. I,
1: I, yes, we're and I'm making eye contact with the microphone, so I don't know what that says about me. I was
0: why Melissa. are you being so and, judgy? Why you be so judgy? That's Jones.
1: And, and, and we're accusing Mr. Christopher Jones of being judgy, but we also thank him for joining us.
0: DC Comics we artist, Christopher, Christopher Danger, Danger Jones, Jones, Esquire.
2: You're welcome.
0: <laughs> and thank you for joining us on another episode of Saturday a Pleasure. Good night. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh-huh. you said yes
1: thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton new episodes arrive every Thursday you can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher you can also visit us at xanaducinema.com Follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome.
0: turn on the tv while we were getting ready and it was inevitably bear in the big blue house and you were in love with oh that that's show. the cutest fucking door i oh i love that bear he was in love with that fucking bear he's like oh it's a bear oh it's a bear the bear in the big blue house oh my goodness oh it was adorable